everybody welcome back to the wrestling inc podcast i'm glenn rubenstein joined as always by raj giri and today's special guest andrew zarian from the Matt men podcast and the gfq network today we're going to be talking about smackdown live for november 15th 2016. this was the go home show before survivor series we're going to give a preview of the survivor series card later in the show also talk a little bit about nxt takeover uh guys thanks for joining me this morning raj how's it going i'm doing good how about you doing well man doing well andrew great to have you back Hey, I'm glad I'm back. Uh, hey, Raj. Hey, uh, hey, hey, Glenn. It's uh, it's been a while, but I'm I'm glad I'm here because this is a great time to talk about professional wrestling with two, uh, two events that that we're going to be discussing today. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, going into the end of the year, kind of. It, it's more amazing to me not the fact that we're at the Survivor Series, but last night to hear them use the language, and then coming up two weeks from Sunday, tables, ladders, and chairs, the SmackDown exclusive pay per view. It's like, oh God. I mean, these are just going coming at us more and more and more. I mean, I just expect soon it's going to be you know then and one week from tables, ladders, and chairs, we're going to have the next Raw pay per view. Um, there's so much <laughs> professional wrestling right now. I they are really they are slowing it down next year. Yeah, thank God. Because Actually, I mean, this what I was told pace. is it's not they're necessarily slowing it down. They're just going to keep it at the same number as this year. So they're not going to have <laughs> two per month every month, but uh, they're going to have 16. So this year was kind of, uh, you know, backloaded at the end of the year. But I think next year will be more spread out. Is yes. that going to be with are they are they planning on still doing those network specials like from the garden and they did from Japan? Or, is that something that's still being discussed or has the brand split kind of eliminated the you know, I actually asked about that. There's nothing really planned right now, but um, I, I feel like right now they don't need it because they have so much. And I think I'm guessing that's their kind of thinking, but uh, there is nothing planned right now. I'm guessing that there will be a, a takeover on Royal Rumble weekend, although that hasn't been announced yet. Hmm. I mean, that would be pretty... Uh... What did, did they do one last year in January? I'm trying to remember. We had um, the Wembley, and then was WrestleMania was Dallas the next takeover after that? Yeah, correct. Yeah, they didn't have one last year. They didn't have one during Survivor Series last year either. Um, but they taped I, a bunch of them, Royal Rumble weekend in Florida, because there were all those episodes of NXT with the dude in the red shirt that was there that was probably prominent in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that, but yeah. Yeah, they did. So I, who, who knows? I mean, it would make sense if you're going to have... I don't know how many people are going to be able to fit, fill into the Alamo Dome, but uh, if you got 50,000, 60,000 people there, uh, a takeover seems to make sense. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a crazy number, right? I mean, I, I know they came. They did, they did really well with that Alamo Dome Royal Rumble that they did years ago, but... Well, you know, yeah, they did. I mean, they, 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 I, I was at that Royal Rumble, and um, I mean, they were desperate unloading those tickets at that event. But, you know, wrestling... I mean, I can't say it's it's much hotter now, but it was a kind of in a cool phase back then. Uh, the NWO angle hadn't really, uh, I think, was it the NWO angle started yet? And this might have been right after the NWO angle started. Um, but I was in uh, San Antonio, and if you went to a Taco Bell and ordered a bean burrito, they were giving you a Royal Rumble ticket. I mean, they were <laughs> unloading those things. So, um, I, 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 but you know, again, uh, the big wrestling events, WWE events, are much hotter tickets now. So. Hopefully they'll be able to move better than they did, but they still filled it last time. So, and it was a hot crowd. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Do, do you know have uh, for WrestleMania next year have travel packages sold out yet? I do not know that. Um, I haven't checked, but I, I could look into that. Yeah, I'm just curious because I mean, for for uh, Dallas, I mean that was like record pace. I think they sold out like same day. So I'm just curious if Orlando, even though people assume the demand might be a little higher, I'm curious if that's moving as fast. I'm um, guessing they did, but I'd have to double check. I hadn't looked into it, but uh, the presale is going on right now, guys. So uh, presale code WWE VIP or tweets. Uh, both of those will work if you're looking to get WrestleMania tickets. Cool, cool. Yeah, it's hard to believe we're already already looking ahead to WrestleMania 2017. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so last night's big milestone was SmackDown 900. Now this had some retrospective clips featured throughout the episode. We had the return of the Undertaker. We had Edge. We had uh, Booker show up. Um, it was an interesting episode. I mean, they didn't pull out all the stops like they did for like a thousandth, you know, like or a bigger milestone, but, uh, they also at the same time had to carry the momentum that's been building going into survivor series. And I thought it was kind of cool that they 
opened up the show and uh, went into the IC title match between The Miz versus Dolph Ziggler. Now, we speculated on this on our Monday Night Raw podcast with Matt Morgan, talking about what was going to happen. And, of course, uh, the Spirit Squad interfered, Maurice interfered, and we do now have a new IC champion, The Miz, uh, reclaiming the title. And he'll be facing Sami Zayn at Survivor Series. Um, so, Andrew, I'll go to you first. What did you think about the match, and how do you think this sort of uh, foreshadows what might happen Sunday night at Survivor Series? I thought it was a fun match. You know, the, the crowd was really into it. Um, the, the the finish of the match was a little wonky with, with the Maurice interference, but I think all overall, these guys have been working really hard together, and they, they've been doing a great job. I mean, the series of matches that they've had has been great. Um, I, I think going forward, this kind of puts it into place that they're more comfortable with the Miz losing that title than <laughs> Dolph Ziggler losing that title. So kind of, you know, the direction that people have been anticipating, which is the Cruisers come to SmackDown and the IC title goes to Raw, is kind of being put in motion. Now, and, and, I'll, and I'll ask you guys, obviously, after, after Raj answers this question, uh, do you think it's a negative to remove that IC title, that secondary title from SmackDown and just give them the Cruiserweight title, which really isn't a secondary, you know, it's not the second main title. It's a division all on its own. Yeah, I mean, I was saying this on Monday's podcast. The IC title is basically the US title. And and so that's that balance, you know, between, uh, between the shows is having those two belts. Uh, I mean, Glenn made an interesting point. And, you know, the, they've Name dropped Sami Zayn wanting to move to SmackDown twice this week. I think they did it. Uh, you know, Daniel Bryan mentioned it on that State of the WWE uh, special. And I, I think they mentioned it last night on Talking Smack. He, you know, it was kind of mentioned in passing. The Miz said something about it. So I could see um, Sami Zayn winning the belt and then getting signed to, to Raw. You know, like his contract to was SmackDown. up like they did with Jack. I mean, to SmackDown, yeah, like Jack Swagger, where the contract was up and he was a free agent. They got him. Uh, because it to me, it doesn't make sense to have both the U.S. title and the Intercontinental title on the same show. That's like having both world titles on the same show. I mean, not as drastic, but it's that same idea. Both those belts are kind of equal and uh, and meant to kind of, you know, balance each other out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's still the plan. What's going to happen? Um, I mean, I know we'll, we'll touch upon this at the end, but oh, my God, the Miz on Talking Smack last night. I mean, that was just a phenomenal use of whatever it was, 60 seconds that he came out there. Did you guys catch that? Yeah, I think he's doing his best work. I thought I thought the match with Ziggler was great. Um, these guys have a great chemistry with each other. This feud has gotten long in the tooth. There haven't been enough, you know, kind of twists and turns really along the way. Uh, so hopefully this is it. Um, hopefully, you know, Sami Zayn comes to SmackDown and Sami Zayn versus The Miz is the the feud for the next couple months. But uh, yeah, I thought Miz was fantastic. And I think he's got that personality that makes him a perfect foe for Sami Zayn. Yeah, no. And I think especially, I mean, given Daniel Bryan and then the, the way they weren't able to really run with that using Ziggler as, as sort of the vessel through which Daniel Bryan uh, expresses himself uh, in the ring. I think Sami Zayn is, is perfect for that. And uh, the thing I love about SmackDown is, you know, I mean, it was Ziggler and all credit to Ziggler because Ziggler, I think, has made a lot out of this, uh, you know, this feud at this stage in his career. But I mean, to me, the idea is just so exciting that if Sami Zayn comes to SmackDown, he's going to be uh, uh, showcased on that show. He's going to have a regular presence and not just be this afterthought out there, you know, wrestling uh, whoever they, they pull a name out of a hat, you know, that week. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. Uh, really optimistic about how that's going to go at Survivor Series on Sunday. So um, are we? Are we all Andrew? Are we all picking Sami Zayn then for the Sunday? I'm gonna pick, yeah, I'm going to pick Sami. Yeah, I'm going to pick Sami. Glenn, yeah. is that what you're? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, or let me put it this way: if he does not win, I predict he will go to SmackDown anyhow. If the Miz retains, I think that will be the outcome of the match, regardless of who actually gets the win. But of course, I would love to see Sami with that belt. I feel like that's match made in heaven, right? Um, so, yeah, uh, then then we had a you know, backstage segment with Alexa Bliss and Daniel Bryan. Natalia came out and did uh, the song. <laughs> it's the, the song lyric gimmick. Um, that That's a thing now. What, 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 I mean, I actually, I have to say that with Natalia, like, she's had so many bad gimmicks. This one being kind of, you know, just it's corny. It is what it is, but it's not even in the top three like worst things they've tried to have natalia do yeah it's better than her farting yeah. <laughs> you know that was uh but uh 
yeah, you know, I, I wish they'd tone down some of the comedy. Uh, you know, there is definitely a place for it, but they they do it a lot. And I, I don't know this this you know the Natalia singing thing doesn't do anything for me because she is so talented and could be in a, a serious feud for that women's SmackDown women's title because I feel like they need more uh, intensity in that division right now. Yeah, I don't understand why they've made her this mo- mother hen character. You know, they're, 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 it's interesting how they kind of force their beliefs on their audience. Like they're making her out to be like this old woman that's just like wrangling all these wild twenty-year-olds and keeping them in line, and that's not even close to what the situation is like. And and you know, she's in her thirties. She's not. She's not up there at all. And I think it's a really bizarre thing. But if you watched her on Talking Smack. It was she was really it was very uncomfortable the whole that whole segment for me, but I don't know if it was kind of made to look like that or just it was just unorganized chaos happening. Thirty four <laughs> years old. She's thirty four years old. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, fantastic in the ring. Probably, I think she's the best worker on that brand, and so the best worker on that brand not being in the match, you know, hurts it. But you know, even a couple of years ago, um, when she was best doing female worker, sorry. Um, even when she was doing matches in NXT, when they had her like come there and, and do some matches and whatnot, I mean, they, they started dressing her sort of, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, remember when she had that makeup that was sort of like that? I, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think of like the polite PG way to say it, but I mean, they started sort of making her up to be a little more sort of like hot mom, you know, uh, <laughs> even when she was probably before she even turned 30. I, I feel like that was how they were sort of positioning her. Yeah, I, I could just see it. Like Vince looks at him, he's like, how old is Natty? Uh, 28. No, no, no. She's a hot mom. We're going to her a character. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's just weird. So I think it's, you know, something about her. That's how they, uh, they position it there. I mean, is she, is she the oldest of the women that are currently in Raw? Yeah, she's not much older than Nikki Bella. Nikki Bella is what? 31, 32. Maybe, but it's just, it's amazing I mean, just how, dollars, but... you know, someone, yeah, I think, but I think, I think you're right, Andrew. I think that's the thing. I think Vince gets it in his head that this is how he sees someone and it's like, okay, that's, that's how they are. I bet you Paul Heyman would have been able to do something fantastic with a hot mom gimmick, you know, yeah. <laughs> are going to be 33 this year. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Um, so, so they followed that segment up, uh, with Oni Larkin versus Callisto. Um, I, I like that, you know, they, I, I like that bringing in someone from NXT, I thought that was really cool, but yeah, what, I mean, that, that was one of those sort of like, okay, they need to fill five minutes. I mean, what, what did you make of that match? Uh, Andrew? Uh, you know, I was really excited to see, uh, somebody, you know, being pulled up. Uh, you know, as a, as a Biff Busick fan, I, I was excited to see him up there, but they really, <laughs> they didn't give it a lot of time, did they? <laughs> uh, so fast. Yeah. 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 Why not just use a, a job guy? Yeah, just a local job guy, unless they didn't have time. So they're like, all right, let's, uh, this is your, you know, this is your main roster debut. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. I think to put, a, to use an NXT person is great, but to make an NXT person a jobber, I think actually sort of has a contrary effect. You know? It yeah. Then what's the point of NXT? You know, if you're developing them to be, come onto the main roster. And, and let's face it, first impressions, you know, say a lot. It shows kind of what the company thinks of you. They're not, they're not going to put Finn Balor, you know, in, in a squash match in his first match in. So it, it just kind of, pegs you where you're at and uh and it's an uphill climb after that yeah and Oni Lorcan I mean just to put the name alone I feel like there there's potential for him just you know as sort of like I mean then I think that having a name that goofy I think right there is just makes you stand out from anyone else so I think they could have done something more if they were but I don't think they were serious about developing him with that match um you know Callisto of course won we went backstage a lot of teasing of the undertaker last night now i mean just uh before he actually appeared now raj do you think they actually use taker for those or did you think they have like a stand-in for that taker couldn't actually be bothered you know to silhouette and whatnot i don't know i'm sure they used him i doubt he'd have a problem doing that yeah i I, in my mind i really hope it was one of the cruiserweights i hope it was like Just walking around as the Undertaker. I, they, I hope they had one on each on the other one's shoulders, like two kids in a trench coat, you know? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. their arm wouldn't be able to fit through that <laughs> trench coat. <laughs> um, so we had the backstage segment with Booker and uh, the SmackDown tag teams. Um, you know, it, it was what it was. Um, Tyler Breeze and Fandango, I don't know, the fashion police uh, aspect. What do you guys make about that wrinkle in, in their gimmick now? I don't know. 
<laughs> you know, those poor guys, and they're, they're so talented, both of them. And uh, I don't know what's more more of a shame, uh, Tyler Breeze or Fandango, you know, being put in this situation, because they're both so talented. I mean, I, I was hoping big things for both of them, and it seems like this they're in this comedy situation, and they're never going to get out of it. I, it's Once that comedy thing is built up and you've dug yourself into that hole, it, it's so hard to get out of it. Uh, you know, it was, it was whatever it was. It is what it is. Yeah, I think when you use that I'm great looking uh, gimmick, uh, if you use it as a, 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 a percentage, a small facet of your character, or, you know, like a Rick Rude or a Shawn Michaels, it could work because, you, know, you know, fans buy it. But when you're over the top and way too comic-y with it, it never works. I can't think of a time it has. Uh, I mean, Shawn Michaels was over the top with it for a while. And then once he toned it down, that's kind of when he became a, a superstar. So, I mean, he um, was a stripper at one point, right? He did come out as a male stripper. Who, Shawn? Yeah. I'm forgetting that one. Glory yeah, days of the, of the sexy boy and the, 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 the chaps and everything. You know? I just oh, thought right. that was his gimmick. I, yeah, I thought yeah. his gimmick was, I mean, I just always sort of assumed, especially listening to his song, you know? Right, but doing the, you know, the facial, the, you know, the Zoolander facial expressions and stuff, it just, it's, you can't take it seriously. And, uh, and it's like Andrew was saying, they're two talented guys. I'd like to see more, you know, more out of them, especially uh, when the roster seems so thin. And I, I just feel like, you know, do, do we need more comedy, uh, especially with guys like this? So. Mark, let me ask you this. Um, you, I mean, you've been doing this for 20 years now. Is it like how bad does the comedy thing have to be for you to not be able to get out of it? I mean, are they at that point, in your opinion, that they can't get out of this this box that they're put in? Well, I think when they sh when they're not using it, it shows uh, the fans are into it. You know, look at the Goldberg Lesnar segments. Uh, so they could not use it. It's just I don't think they take their talent seriously enough to stop themselves from doing it. And uh, let let's face it, Vince does not look at AJ Styles like he does, uh, you know, John Cena or Undertaker. He's you know, and so it's easy for him to have Styles be losing to James Ellsworth and doing these uh, comedy skits. But yeah, I mean, I it feels like this is the way they know how to do wrestling now, and it's. It, it will have to take a total change of philosophy to kind of do a more serious product uh, and a more organic product. And I'll tell you, I, I feel like on NXT with Tyler Breeze, they set up who the character was. He did the entrance, but they didn't have to do these extend, extended vignettes. Um, you know, like he didn't have to perform as much um, outside of the ring and sell the character with comedy. Like you got what the character was just by looking at the fuzzy leggings and the selfie stick. Um, and I think that the disservice to him now is that even though while he's a competent comedic performer and he's actually very funny sometimes, um, it's just that's overshadowing. Like they're giving him that as opposed to a chance to really shine in the ring. You know, I saw live what must have been one of his last NXT matches. Um, it was like uh, him versus Samoa Joe in the main event. And they pulled off like a 20 minute match that was just absolutely fantastic. And he's done great work on TV before, but now it seems like, you know, hey, go out there make us laugh funny man and then uh take the pin you know yeah this is a note to anyone in nxt don't be way too over the top with your gimmick it'll have a short shelf like look just adam rose fandango all those tone it down make a part of your character but tone it down and and be something that people can relate to and, and those kind of characters get over i hope no way jose is listening yeah exactly <laughs> way, he might get over he might get over <laughs> he might be the one no way he is great but that's the problem it's like yeah i think creative just looks at that and it's just like yep this is what it is um so we had uh the carmella versus nikki bella match and uh, i thought that was really really interesting in that uh you know obviously so charlotte interrupted the match um we had the smackdown women's crew uh, versus the Raw women's crew. Now, the big note online that I saw, and this was my first thought when watching it as well, is, you know, I really like the confrontation. I thought this was a nice uh, counterbalance to what they did Monday night with SmackDown versus Raw on the men's side. But weird character note of having Bailey participate in a five-on-one beatdown. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, I was losing my mind. You know, we were live tweeting it, and I was losing my mind, and I was like, no, Bailey, Why? Why? It was like when 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 Sean turned on Marty for me. <laughs> I don't want. I couldn't believe I was watching Bailey do a sneak attack heel. You know, 
beat up thing. I, it, it bothered me so much. And I know a lot of people lost their minds because of this. It's so out of her character that you do a little character control when you're doing these angles, you know? You could have Bailey out there and, and have all of them out there and then the heels run in and start attacking Charlotte and like Bailey trying to stop them. But the way you did it, it just, you know, you're trying to do the same angle on Raw except with the women. And it just came across as forced and against, you know, a character that that no one believes would do that, at least where they are right now. Yeah, I mean, that, that was just the strangest part to me, especially on SmackDown because SmackDown is the show where I feel like you have, I think you have more NXT fans that may have drifted there than Raw. SmackDown, I think, is a little smarkier in that way. So I could see that, yeah, to that to that fan base, it just made no sense whatsoever. Um, and yeah, and to your point, Roger, like she could have tried to mediate, she tried to try to get in between and then gotten dragged into the into the mix. But it was very strange. I like seeing um, you know, I will say though, there was a at the end point of that when they had the face off after Naomi did uh, you know, uh her jump off the ropes there, and they had the two teams facing off. I had that little bit of a markout moment. And I know I've criticized a lot with Survivor Series this, oh, hey, it's only been four months. Why do we care about seeing these matchups when they've only been apart four months? But bringing all these NXT women into the mix and now having these dynamic lineups with the women especially, it really showcased to me that, okay, we do have two defined women's universes that are going to come together in a match on Sunday. You know, for you know, me, my, that finally clicked. For me, my, my issue with a lot of this, you know, brand versus brand thing has been, they haven't slowed down the you know the brand feuds like within within the brand like let's say, let's say the women's angle right uh we saw nikki bella and uh, carmella go at it carmella that entire match was trying to break her neck right that was like the whole thing where she's trying to hurt her neck and if you're feuding to that extent where you're trying you know your whole thing is i'm gonna i'm gonna put her out again and i'm trying to hurt her neck and the the, the announcers are selling that she had a broken neck and she just came back from this thing how can you turn it off like this? Yeah. You know, the same thing with the men. You know, Dean Ambrose and, and AJ Styles have been in this feud. In my opinion, they should have slowed down these internal feuds and had them feud with someone else that's not necessarily tagging up with them. Do some of these, you know, enhancement talent matches on SmackDown for like the week or two prior to this pay-per-view where, you know, you're not killing each other every week and then it, it looks awkward at, when you're standing there uh, as a team. But who do the women have for a side feud? Because now we have Natalia as the coach. And then Dana Brooke, what's even her role, you know, in the Raw team? I mean, she's shown in the graphic. So, I mean, it's really a six-on-six -six match for Sunday. Yeah. I mean, you could bring in, you know, Peyton Royce and all, all these, oh, sure. you know, NXT people and just have, you know, just a, just a quick match with them just to show it off and, and you're done. And then you just end it in like three, four minutes. J just so it doesn't look weird. And they were doing yeah. it on Talking Smack where you brought all the girls out. Nikki Bell's in there with no tooth. One of her, one of her teeth popped out. It is right. It was a cap, right? It, it was, was a cap, cap that popped out. Yeah, it popped out. They're sitting there, and then Carmella, and they're all joking and laughing and saying like, "Oh, we're going to be a team today." But you just tried to break her neck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. On Raw, it's more believable than on SmackDown. On Raw, I can kind of see it just because on Raw, there. I mean, the Sasha Charlotte thing has run on for so long that it's like, okay, sure, sure, they can get along now. Like, why not? It's been, you know six months and, and I, I mentioned this on, on on monday's podcast with matt but i wish they would have made more of a big deal uh, that this is the first time we're seeing the wwe universal champion that's going to be facing off with the wwe champion and the raw yeah. you know women's champion facing off against the smackdown women's champion and uh you know and, and same thing with the tag champs so kind of focusing on that more and making it seem like you haven't seen these you know you haven't seen those matches and 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 the title versus the champion versus champion uh even though it's not for a title but you're you know it's kind of a you know it's it, it should be a bigger deal than it is as opposed Absolutely. to you just kind of brush it off yeah and they didn't really do a stare down i thought on friday on on monday they would have done more of an aj styles and uh and uh, and kevin owens kind of stare down where they're holding the belt but they didn't even very little very very little stuff happened there yeah um, so let's talk about this tag matchup that they had following that. Um, we got, uh, I mean, we did get Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg, uh, you know, video package again, selling that. But uh, we had the Ascension, the Spirit Squad, the Vaudevillains, and the Headbangers versus Tyler Breeze, Fandango, American Alpha, 
the hype bros and the usos um i'll tell you man feeling really bad for the vaudevillains and the headbanger or the vaudevillains and uh the ascension in this because if you're on a team with the spirit squad and the headbangers i think that's very clearly telling you where you are in the pecking order right now yeah and and the fact that the team you're supposed to be rooting for has extra people it, it just reminded me kind of the bailey thing where yeah you know you, you're outnumbering the jobber team it, it just it's just kind of a weird uh weird thing but yeah i mean the ascension and and the vaude villains they're pegged in where they're where they're pegged in I, they've been pegged in there for a while now yeah but this really underlines it like <laughs> you're on a team with guys that aren't even necessarily under contract you know sure they signed a waiver but uh they didn't they didn't even they hardly <clears throat> did they even mention anything about the headbangers like returning or anything at yeah. all this or there was like oh yeah the headbangers are back yeah <laughs> I, I i saw it somewhere i knew they were coming but i had no idea where or how i, I didn't know what the story was yeah. yeah, I don't think, uh, and that's the thing. The headliners or uh, the headbangers don't even get don't even get a story. The spirit now is it me or like the spirit squad? I mean, the part of the funny part of the spirit squad, and I really didn't put my finger on it till last night, is the way that they're dressing them in the fact that their gear looks like it's the original gear, like pulled out of storage from ten or fifteen years ago. I mean, to me, it just it, like it's they're making them look like the guys from high school that you know didn't really get on with their life. And they're coming back for the reunion like oh let's put on our spirit squad gear and it's just i mean they look yeah just a little kind of ratty a little kind of you know out of out of the prime and um yeah i don't know i think if they're keeping them around they got to do something to really define what's going on there maybe send them to nxt for a little while to come up with new characters and, and you know kind of kind of update their style <laughs> yeah a call, a call down i know we talked about this monday but man i think uh it would be a win-win to to do a little more cross-pollination between uh, the brands right now. So Tyler Breeze, Fandango, American Alpha, the Hype Bros and the Usos won that match, of course. Um, so we had Edge. We had Edge come in and do a segment with the team uh, building up, which led to the return of The Undertaker. So, I mean, I guess let's, let's unpack this. So to start with, uh, let's talk about the thing with Randy Orton is really getting to me more and more, but I will say, I will give them credit for this last night. I, I feel like they heard, I, we weren't the only people Monday to, to note this. They didn't have Bray. They didn't have Randy. They didn't have Dean wearing those SmackDown live shirts. I feel like that's a win that only Ellsworth and Ambrose came out in those last night because Bray in that blue shirt Monday night just looked so that was again, one of those out of character moments, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so it was good we didn't have that. But um, so so what do you make of how this is going to go down, Raj, on on Sunday? Well, Taker said he's back, which was the big, yeah, you know, one of the big things. Uh, you know, I I thought this segment was great. I liked how they used Taker. I liked it wasn't just a random appearance. He came back, said he was back, and then also used his appearance to build a Survivor Series match and and give a little bit of because you know one of the things I complained about with the Survivor Series match is there's no stip, there's no real reason to care. And Taker kind of gave, you know, a reason to care. And uh, so I thought that was great. And um, yeah, you know, Taker, he was using crutches last month, early in yeah. early October. He had hip surgery, either end of September, or early October, but hip surgery recovery is usually four to six weeks. So, um, and then, you know, it takes a little bit to get into ring shape. But I think uh, my guess is he's back at the Royal Rumble, not WrestleMania. So he's, he's back uh, sooner than, sooner than later. Yeah, I would I would kind of put Rumble also because they he really um he made a point to say that WrestleMania doesn't define him anymore and he's back. So I think they're trying to kind of tell you he's going to do some stuff outside of WrestleMania. I thought it was interesting and and, and Raj and, and Glenn tell me if you think I'm wrong here. It they kind of set it up where they SmackDown will lose this match. Yes. And the last person that lost will end up probably in that feud with Taker. See, I don't see it that way. I think I oh, think Raw on. is winning. I mean, I I think SmackDown is winning. I, I think, did you, uh, on Monday. I did, and then I started looking at this, and I and I thought, you know what? It would be interesting if AJ Styles happens to call, you know lose that match and cost SmackDown, and now Taker's after him. It it, it could. Um, I just don't see. I mean, I think Taker and AJ would be a. A, a great match. I just don't know if that's a WrestleMania match. I mean, they could do it at the, at the Rumble, you know, like what we were saying, if he's coming back at the Rumble. Um, and it, it gives, you know, if he's going for the SmackDown title, that would actually be really big. Um, but 
Yeah, I just think with the way that SmackDown was treated like a, a bunch of jabronis Monday night that they have to win. But, you know, I could see that storyline too. I know there, there's there been some speculation about that, that Taker comes back to take out the person that costs him. I almost think it, it might be Randy Orton if they went that yeah. way. Because um, my initial thought was that Randy Orton was just faking, you know, being with the Wyatts and he's going to turn on them and it's just another step in their mind games. But... If they're truly going with the heel turn, I mean, that probably makes the most sense. And I feel like they spent the last minute of that Taker segment last night underlining how if they lose, there will be consequences. Um, and I just feel like th I feel like there was no point to that unless they're going to lose, because I feel like it just set up so clearly what that what like, you know, like you guys were saying, what the storyline could be if that happens. Um but yeah, it was, uh, I thought Taker was great. Love the literal, I mean, literal tip of the hat to, to Shane McMahon. Thought that was really cool for their WrestleMania match. Um, and uh, with the team together, you know, I, I will say this, props on restraint that Taker came out and did not comment on James Ellsworth. I think that's the first time we've had someone new come into the mix and not do a double take, you know? I don't know if you saw my article last night, but did you see that stare that Orton was giving James Ellsworth? No. Oh God, he was he was grilling him the entire time. It was it was so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I mean, uh, I can't I can't tell if he just needed something to look angry at, but man, he was I mean staring a hole through him. Go back and watch it, or you know, you look on the site. It's uh, it's posted last night. The title says Randy Orton, uh, you know, stares down James Ellsworth. But you go to the four minute mark of that video, and man, he is just uh, staring him down something fierce. <laughs> It was awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. Man, I'll tell you, you know, I was thinking about this. I know uh, Monday night we talked about this and sort of the criticism about Ellsworth, um, you know, especially that Matt Morgan has. But I'll say this. I feel like anything that, that tickles Vince McMahon's fancy that's not Roman Reigns, I'm in favor of at this point. Oh, gosh. No way. <laughs> I'm in complete disagreement. I think this Ellsworth really? thing needs to get out of the main event. I think it's just bringing the whole thing down. I think it brings down the world title. I, I, I'm all in favor of keeping him, having him signed to a contract, using him on the show somewhere, but not, not this main event. He, now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he get a dark match before the show last night that he won? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, so I, I, I think after this, maybe with TLC two weeks away, we'll start to see Ellsworth pulled out of the the title picture and given sort of his own. Who did he have a dark match? I think it was just a jobber, wasn't Let it? Let me check. Nobody. I think it was uh, here. I, I, I'm hoping the answer was, is Kane. As <laughs> <laughs> uh, a local wrestler, Ricky Martinez. Okay. Yeah. Telling you, man, you know, uh, Ellsworth and Taker. That's that because Ellsworth's going to cost him the victory. Casket match. <laughs> You know, stranger things have happened. Uh, so speaking of which, you know, uh, I know we noted this last night, but just interesting note that we went through now both Raw and SmackDown, and I didn't see it. No congratulations to WWE Hall of Famer, uh, elected president, elected the United States. I thought that was telling given the environment we're in right now. Yeah, I don't think they want to go near any of it at this yeah. point. I mean, what yeah. if we see a... Who, what was that weird match? No, no, we saw we saw Donald Trump versus Rosie O'Donnell match, right? Yep. With the body, with like the the impersonators. We did. So we you've, see had, you've had Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton technically, well, not technically, but wrestle their names announced in a match, you know, on WWE television because they they did uh, Hillary Clinton against Barack Obama during the primaries yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, they stayed far away from this. Oh my God! But you know what that reminds me of? Anyone go look up the clip on YouTube in 2008 in advance. I think it was of uh, Super Tuesday, maybe on Raw, when they had Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and John McCain do a little get out the vote video. Each did, and each of them did a play on what The Rock is cooking. Like it was so painful. Like yeah, I that was the same episode where they had Clinton versus yeah, Obama. That yeah. was oh my God! But this was the get out the vote. Like to watch all of them do the parody of the rock line like a producer could have whispered to one like hey the other the other two did this also you might want to come up with something else i will say this i think if it was let's say marco rubio had won the election and he somehow in the past did stuff with wwe or chris christie you know he's done some stuff with you know he's been shown on stage at SummerSlam, and if he won the election and he was a wwe hall of famer i think they would have mentioned it uh said something uh but i think just uh just how uh 
toxic things are right now. Uh, yeah, it, it would just it's just way too divisive to to mention. No, absolutely, absolutely, and I think it was a wise wise dodge, but uh, rare restraint shown by the WWE. Yeah. Um, that's actually putting it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so talking smack last night quickly. So the Miz came out, did that promo. Uh, we had the Edge come out, uh, or we had Edge come out with uh, James Ellsworth came out at the very end. We had the SmackDown Women's team out there. Um, you know, talking smack, man. Still, I think uh, must watch every week. I really thought there were some good segments um, going in. One question I want to ask Raj: Have you heard anything about the Edge and Christian show coming back? Uh, yeah, I think they are, they're going to do a third season, uh, second season. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they're writing it now. They started writing it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, that'll definitely be welcome. Um, but no, I thought talking smack last night was really good. Better than the state of the WWE on Monday. I think, you know, in, in my opinion, what makes talking smack so, so good is Daniel Bryan. Cause he brings this authenticity where he's able to mix storyline with his real opinion and, you know, uh, and do it so well that you believe what he's saying, even though he's talking about a match where he, he, you know, he, he knows the outcome of, but he'll bring up points and that are, that are true. Like when, yes, last night he was talking about, you know, new day losing all the time when it's a non-title match and, and things like that, that are never really said on commentary. He'll bring up. And I, I think it's just so refreshing to listen to him. I, I, that's, that's a hundred percent. The reason why the show is good for me as someone that, you know, creates content and I do this stuff. I love the fact that that show is a total nightmare. Technically, <laughs> like Daniel Bryan's holding the mic and I know they're telling him to take the mic out of the shop because it's in that secondary. I mean, it's just a technical nightmare and it feels so loose compared to everything else that company does where it's interesting to see all that stuff happen. Like the, the guy was trying to mic Daniel Bryan because he couldn't hear anything and he's crawling on the floor behind him last night. And you see the guy in that shot. And I thought it was awesome that you could see this guy just crawling around on the floor trying to get this thing going. I, I think it, it's, it's so much more organic compared to you know the Raw's uh, Raw's version of Talking Smack. You know the the Raw recap that they do. Yeah, yeah. They I thought it was that, or was that only on the pay per view? The the Raw talk. It's every week. I, is it every week now? I, I, I thought, thought they, I thought they just did it the the one time after the pay per view. And I thought that was the test. Yeah. Um, I don't I know. We'll, I'm sure that look if, if they do it, they won't do it stealth right i mean they'll they won't shut up about it if it becomes a regular thing um but i, I think it's going to be interesting with talking smack moving an hour behind uh smackdown i'm assuming they'll probably still tape it immediately after and then just air it on delay after 205 live just from a production point of view maybe or i don't know uh um, i think that's a recipe for disaster having the cruiserweight show on after smackdown because yeah the division's not over as it is and then having an hour after smackdown it makes a lot more sense to do it before and uh and then that way the crowd is hotter they just got there and then you know you do smackdown talking smack right after it, it, it just you seems know, to flow a lot better roger i was i was talking to somebody and they kind of brought up the exact same point that it should be done an hour before the show and kind of treated like a sunday night heat leading into a pay-per-view where there's something that happens at the end that may intertwine with smackdown you know, if there is an angle for the cruiserweights on SmackDown, you kind of introduce that at the end, and then it leads into SmackDown, and that'll be the story from the previous show that you could kind of say, hey, what, what happened on the WWE Network right before SmackDown went on? Uh, that plays, you're absolutely right, that plays a far better, uh, it plays far, I guess, for viewership and, and for audience attention, it plays a far better positioning than putting it at the end SmackDown, when people are trying to leave, you know, it's 10 o'clock, they want to go home. They just watch wrestling for two hours or three hours already. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and they haven't done a great job with the cruiserweight division yet. So how many people of those people are going to stay after SmackDown uh, well, until they, unless they can get it hot, you know, and, and who knows, maybe moving the brand to SmackDown and I know we'll get into Survivor Series predictions, but maybe moving the brand to SmackDown. You're still got the same person in charge ultimately in Vince McMahon. So I don't, you know, I don't know how much is going to change. I think they're going to have to tease a really awesome dark match to get people to stay for the cruiserweights after SmackDown. I mean, it, to me, it's, it, it's 10 o'clock. There's a lot of kids in the crowd. They got school the next day. What are they going to do when, and this, this is just, it's a crappy situation, but what's going to happen where it just happens that it's a, it's a, how many people are they getting for SmackDown now? 5,000, 4,000, right? It's not, they're not selling yeah. out 10,000 arenas. So let's say 4,000, 5,000. And, 
you know, a good thousand are left for a smack for a uh, two hundred five live taping. A thousand people in an arena that fits, you know, normally eight thousand or ten thousand is not going to look great on TV. I don't care how much you dim those lights. What are you going to do? Move everybody to the front? <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, tarp, tarp it, man. They're going to tarp, tarp it that quick. <laughs> they have to. I'm sure they're going to move this around. You know, it, it's it's something that they're playing with. I'm I'm almost convinced that they're going to end up moving this thing to before SmackDown. Um, I I think it's an int- it's fascinating. It's a it's a weird time slot, but I, I don't think it's going to stick. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, let's talk about Survivor Series uh, on Sunday. Now, special start time. They keep teasing this uh, or promoting it heavily, rather. Uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. So is this going four hours? Is that what you yeah. heard? Yeah. So because I'm looking at the card as it stands right now. And so we've got Lesnar versus Goldberg, the Survivor Series men's elimin- ma- uh, elimination match, the Survivor Series women's elimination match, Survivor Series tag team elimination match, and then Dolph Ziggler versus Sami Zayn, Brian Kendrick versus Callisto. Um, I mean, I guess those elimination matches are going to go on for a very long time. Is that the expectation? I'd expect each of those to go on, you know, about 30 minutes. Uh, maybe the Raw versus SmackDown even longer. Yeah. I could see that. I could see that. So uh, let's let's go through and see who we think is going to win. So Brian Kendrick versus Callisto. Is it a foregone conclusion that Callisto has to win to to bring the title over to to SmackDown? I think uh, just the the stip is you know so weird about moving the brand that, but it yeah. makes sense why they would do it, and so this this gives them a way to do that. So I, I think it's yeah, I think it's a foregone conclusion uh, conclusion that Callisto wins. I would, I, I agree with you. I think what they should do is the roster kind of decides that they want to be on the SmackDown side. So they all come out and cost Brian Kendrick the match. So they all move to SmackDown. <laughs> <laughs> and, just, and then they put Callisto on, the, on their shoulders and hopefully he won't fall off. It just seems weird to me that we've been introduced that the cruiserweights are this big thing. They've been building it up so much. And then your champion comes out and he loses to one of the guys from the Lucha Dragons. What? Sankara? No, the other one. Um, it just it seems kind of like a, a anticlimactic way for this to happen. Like Callisto fits more in the cruiserweight division than Sankara. True. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Ziggler versus Sami Zayn. Well, now it's the Miz versus Sami Zayn. We talked about this before. So we're all in agreement that uh, that Zayn is, is likely to win this. And my stipulation is, I think, whatever happens, Zayn's coming to SmackDown. I, I agree. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's the best case scenario. Um, <laughs> tag team match, the elimination match. Um, do you guys have any any dog in this fight? Any... <laughs> like personal connection or theory about how I mean because I don't even think storyline wise there's any real stakes here it's just a bunch of dudes versus a bunch of dudes right I think it's kind of like if if the raw brand wins the, the the big survivor series match then Smackdown wins the two others and vice versa I think uh, Smackdown's winning the main event of survivor series match so I'm I'm taking the raw you know survivor series teams for the tag team and the women's yeah, I don't even know how the New Day, I mean, the New Day in particular is one, like, how do they justify losing to that SmackDown lineup? <laughs> like, I just, I, I want to see the segment after that where it's like, yeah, okay, okay, Slater and Rhino, you are better than us. You know, I mean, it just seems so strange to me. Because um, I, I think the Raw tags are a bit more on a higher level than the SmackDown. And that's only because they've completely mismanaged American Alpha going into it so far. But SmackDown seems so just disjointed. Well, WWE math, you know, the New Day's lost the last... Well, they've lost every tag match since on TV <laughs> since Octo- early October. Yet they're still but, the uh, champions. Yeah, so WWE math would say that they're coming on top here. It's not title yeah. It doesn't count. <laughs> True, yeah. They could keep beating them, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so with the the women's, uh, um, Raj, who do you think is going to win the the women's match? Do you think that's going to go SmackDown as well? I mean, I think I'm. I think the tag and the women's are going to Raw. Gotcha. And uh, Andrew, uh, I would say Raw is winning it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say. I think SmackDown wins the women's and uh, which goes the next, I think SmackDown loses the men's, but so Raj, you think raw uh, or you think SmackDown's going to win the men's and raw is going to take the loss. Yeah. Andrew. Uh, 
I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, let, let's say SmackDown. I, I, I think it, it's up in the air, right? Yeah. I just think the way that the, the Raw crew handles SmackDown on Monday and, and SmackDown crew not getting any kind of retaliation. I mean, if they had the Raw guys come on SmackDown on Tuesday and, and SmackDown got their revenge, uh, then I would say it's Raw all the way. But um, the fact that they didn't do that, uh, I, ju- I just think that they got to get their comeuppance. You know, when, when I, I used to work in retail and when they used to train us, they used to say, treat every customer as if they're a five-year-old. So think as if you're a five-year-old, right? And you have to overly explain everything. I don't think it's humanly possible to think like the WWE. I think it's an impossible task. Uh, it's very unpredictable. You're absolutely right. Watching Monday, I would have said 100%. SmackDown's coming on top. They're winning. But now they introduced Undertaker with the you better win thing. Uh, you know, kind of this don't disappoint me. I, now it's, I, my guess is Raw's going to win at the end. Yeah. But, but who knows? I mean, it's, they can do whatever they're doing. I have no idea. <laughs> and, and I want to find a betting site that will let me place a bet on this because I think Raw's going to win, and I will put money on that James Ellsworth will be involved in the reason why SmackDown loses. Oh, God. You're, you're uh, right. <laughs> Dad puts him in a body bag, just drags him around. He just I mean, looks like a slug in that bag. Or I he's mean, responsible for their win. Oh, that too. They could go that too. He will be pivotal in whichever way it goes because yeah. he is he is uh, Vincent K. McMahon's darling at the moment. And uh, yeah, I, I just see it going with him involved. He's going to be uh, crucial in how this goes. Uh, so Lesnar versus Goldberg. Now, we talked about this on Monday. I, I would like to see Goldberg win. I, I mean, I always want to see Brock lose just because everyone's like, oh, Brock can't lose. You know, I mean, I feel I don't know. I want to be surprised for a change. Brock can't lose here, <laughs> um, yeah. especially because I, I truly believe that they think that this is a one and done. And so having a one and done with Goldberg going over a guy who you put so much equity in. I mean, you built him so much that a win over Lesnar means a lot. And to have it go to somebody who's not going to who may not wrestle for the company again, to me, makes no sense. So uh, you got to you got to have someone. I mean, re- realistically, you got to have someone on your main roster that that is full time that that ultimately beats Lesnar. Do you think uh, Undertaker gets involved in this match or interferes in some way? No, no, not at all. I think that that whole thing is, is you know, uh, buried at Hell in the Cell last year. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think this is really interesting for a number of, you know, situations. One, uh, how good is Goldberg going to be in that ring? Right. Twelve years. I don't care how much Muay Thai you do, how much running you do and training you do. If you are not in the ring regularly or training regularly to be in a ring, uh, you're going to get blown up. So I think a lot of this is going to rely on Brock kind of taking care of Goldberg in that ring, in that match Two, you're in Toronto. Brock is somewhat Canadian at this point, right? He's built from Saskatchewan. So you have a Canadian going up against Bill Goldberg in Toronto. It's an unpredictable crowd. I'm really curious as to how the crowd is going to react to this match. And Goldberg retired Bret Hart, legit. Goldberg, yeah, I, I mean, technically, that technically, right? He it was that kick to the head. So it, it's it's amazing that they've had this opportunity to do this match twice, and it's quite possible that the crowd will reject whatever scenario they want to present to us twice. The first one at the Garden, and this time in Toronto. Uh, if they've had this match anywhere else, I would have said Brock is the heel, Goldberg is the number one babyface. It's going to be a hundred percent towards Goldberg. Now with being in Toronto, very different story. Yeah, I think Lesnar is going to be the face here. I think the fa- the crowd's going to turn on Goldberg um, here, just in Toronto. I think if they would have done it almost anywhere else, they would have gotten the crowd reaction they would you know they would have wanted. Uh, but yeah, I, I I could definitely see the crowd turning on on Goldberg and rooting for Lesnar. But at least in this case, as opposed to WrestleMania twenty, at least they're going for somebody and not just crapping on both men. You know. <laughs> And, yeah. and hopefully they could adjust accordingly. Hopefully they're taking that into account, that that's a very uh, likely scenario. Now, I know that the scenario was that Goldberg was going to lose this, right? Initially, that was the, that was a report. But I, do you think that's changing at all with, I guess, the attention this has been getting and, and the reaction Goldberg has been getting? Well, I think I don't think it's changing. But I do think if they have a surprising match like Rock and Hogan, uh, 
and and the response is great. I could see them doing a rematch at the Rumble with the Stip and having Goldberg go over there and then doing a, you know a third and done at, at WrestleMania yeah. and making it a trilogy because it would make no sense. You know, it wouldn't make sense not to. I mean, whatever plan they have for Lesnar right now, and the rumor is Shane McMahon, and I, I just don't see the bill that they could do for Lesnar versus Shane uh, that could equal. What uh, what Lesnar and Goldberg is? I mean, really, I, I've been saying this for you know since they announced it that this is a WrestleMania match, and it seems like uh, it's kind of being wasted at Survivor Series. But I mean, they could still do it. Yeah. Well, with it, Shane versus Goldberg, though, I mean, the my question is, what is there? What will Shane be jumping off of? I mean, because that really you mean Lesnar? Oh uh, yeah, Shane versus uh, Lesnar. Yeah, like what will Shane be uh, leaping off of to you know outdo himself? That's really. That's his move at this point, right? Maybe I mean, the, the WrestleMania, you know, signage yeah, even at the stage. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, that's the problem with Shane versus Lesnar. But, you know, you know, a year ago, if you would have said Shane versus Undertaker, people would have thought, like, that would have been lame also, you know? Well, not, he hadn't, you know, he hadn't been on WWE TV in many years before that. So I think just that aspect alone and the stip, which ultimately meant nothing the next night, but, um, <laughs> You know, that did create, I mean, that was easily the most anticipated match on the card. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, depending on what they do, uh, what they build, the the tricks that they throw in, it, it could definitely, I mean, it could definitely be huge. So we'll have to see what they have in mind. Now, yeah. that wasn't supposed to be the match, right? Shane versus Taker, right? Wasn't that like a like a weird decision that they made? I, I forgot who what the original idea was. Yeah, it was supposed to be uh, Taker and Cena, but Cena was injured, so... So they could do Taker and Cena again uh, this next year. Uh, as far as like a marquee match, I think that's probably the, unless they did something like Goldberg versus Taker, but uh, I think that's the biggest match that they could probably do with Taker as far as a, a, a name versus a name. The best would probably be AJ Styles uh, in, as far as an in-ring quality uh, match, but uh, I, th I feel like as a, a big name main event, I think that's that's the biggest they could do. Someone threw an interesting idea in the chat room uh, and on, on YouTube, and they said, what if you had Taker Styles go up against each other at Rumble, Styles loses, and it's Cena Taker for, the, for Cena's 16th time, and he beats Taker? I could easily see them doing that, because that's yeah. the big deal, his 16th reign. And yeah, that would be, that's probably the, the biggest thing that I think that they could do. It makes Royal Rumble big, Undertaker going for the title in, in Texas. And yeah, I think that's a, a fantastic idea. They, they got two giant arenas to sell out back to back. So <laughs> yeah. They got to throw everything, bring everybody, do do something, you know? You know what I don't understand is why they don't do SummerSlam at a, at a stadium. Because there's enough time between SummerSlam and, and WrestleMania. It's in the summer, so you, the weather's likely to work in your favor. So it just seems like that would be a, a good event to do in a stadium. I mean, they, they, they're, they're in New York for how many years now? Um, for, I think, two more years? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it would have been great if they announced Giant Stadium, MetLife Stadium for for SummerSlam and make this, you know, the home for SummerSlam because you know it's going to be good weather. Uh, and then you do Rumble somewhere else in another big giant arena. And then those are the big three. And then WrestleMania, obviously, travels. Yeah. So let's quickly go over this uh, NXT TakeOver card, which uh, I'm looking at. And I can't believe this is the actual card. By the way, oh, I'm huh. going to NXT tonight in nice. New York. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. That, should be, that should be fun. Yeah. 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 All right, guys. So, I got to run while, while you guys go cool. around NXT take over. Andrew, thanks for joining us. You were great, right. man. Uh, we'd love to see you again. Love cool. to do it again. All right. Take see care, guys. Sunday, Rush. All right, uh, so, Andrew, let's uh, let's talk about this, man. So, the revival versus uh, Gargano and Ciampa. Um, do you think this is where Gargano and Ciampa finally get the NXT tag belts? Uh, you know, it, it it could go both ways, right? Like, I'm really the, this breakup between Gargano and Ciampa, it has been something that has been building amongst, you know, a lot of the viewers, a lot of the fans, and a lot of the, uh, the within themselves, too, with, you know, they're kind of teasing this a little bit. Um, I say the Revival wins this match, and it further continues this possible breakup between the two. And this could be a big feud between Gargano and Ciampa to kind of bring them into that mainstream uh, NXT position, that main spot uh, in for 2017, where this feud continues between them. Yeah, I think just with the revival, um, I mean they're they're great heels, but I think we have to get some movement now. Yeah, you know we have to get some movement on uh, on the belt. 
if it's gonna if it's gonna switch at all. So I don't know. I would I would like to see uh, some change there. I haven't been following NXT as closely lately, but I think that that would be positive to open it up more. Um, TM61 versus author of Authors of Pain, and I like had to double check this again because I haven't been watching uh, NXT as closely. I'm a few episodes behind, but with Paul Ellering in a cage above the ring for this <laughs> match for the Authors of Pain versus TM61, <laughs> like. Is that yeah, I, it's so weird. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think the whole, um, the whole thing is just weird between uh, TM six one, you know, and, and them being the finalists in this Dusty Classic. Uh, they could have done something else with it. They could have put this position for somebody else. But the whole point is, you know, authors are paying to be the monsters, right? That's what they're yeah. trying to. Do. They're trying to get over. TM661 as this, you know, great tag team. I get why they did it. I just have lost interest in that. Yeah. I mean, it just but Paul Ellering in a cage above above the ring, not backstage, but in a cage. And this is uh, settling the dusty classic, so there are some stakes here. But um I mean, for that stipulate for that site alone, I need to to watch this match, you know? Uh because that's uh, an interesting way to to frame it. Oh, yeah. um, so uh, who else do we have? Uh, sorry, I clicked away from this. So um, the uh, we're going to have, uh, is that right? Mickey James versus Oscar. Uh, that's going to be a cool match. Uh, um, yeah. I think it's, obviously Oscar's uh, going to win this one, but I think it's a really, uh, it's great to see Mickey James back. And it's possibly, it's possible that we're going to see a lot more of her because she said in an interview that she's really, really open to coming back and being uh, on the main roster full time. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think, you know, they, they gotta come up with some new people to get Oscar involved with. And I don't, I don't know if Ember Moon is, uh, is ready yet. So I think, um, I saw her at, um, at NXT at Barclays and she's, she's really good. I mean, she, and she yeah. got a great reaction. They just have to position her right. No, definitely. Um, Bobby Roode versus Ty Dillinger. What, what do you make of that? I mean, I, th I think Ty is a great worker. I think that, you know, he's definitely over with the NXT fan base. I mean, Bobby Roode, obviously, um, you know, had some huge momentum coming out of TakeOver. But to me, this match kind of, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I feel bad when looking at this, like the realization that, okay, you know, I'm like maybe four episodes behind on NXT. And it's like, oh, man, it's it's the roster is really as thin as as I think it is. Yeah, no, it is, it is really thin. And, it, and, you know, Bobby Root's positioning is going to be going for that world title, going for that NXT title uh, for his next feud. I, I mean, I hope so. But Ty Dellinger has been there for how many years? 10 years he's been developmental. The guy's a really good worker. He's gotten yeah. over with the crowd. This may be a really fun match to watch. Obviously, you know, Bobby Root, that's my pick to kind yeah. of move, move him up. And, and once Joe is out of that spot, but it is a very thin roster and we're starting to see this happen. Uh, you know, we had a lot of people leave and I don't know, I, I, I'm hoping that they build more stars and that's why I'm excited about Gargano kind of getting elevated sooner or later. Mm -hmm. Um, and with Shinsuke versus Joe, I mean, so do you think this is potentially Joe's last match in NXT that he's going to pull a Bailey and lose this and then get called up? Joe has to lose this, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I just think Samoa Joe as champion is not. Uh, Samoa Joe pissed off is really good. Samoa Joe's champ is just kind of like, eh, you know, like it's not, there's no reason whatsoever to put the belt back on. Well, the Ambrose thing, he had the title and people were bored with him and now he hasn't had the title and he's chasing it and everybody's saying, wow, this is really elevated uh, <laughs> Ambrose. He's back to what he was supposed to be because he's yeah. in the hunt now. He's going after the title rather than having it. Some people should go after the title more than have it, have it. Um, I say, obviously, I say uh, Nakamura goes over, and this could be a great exit for Joe. Maybe he enters in the Rumble. Maybe yeah. this is the way that you debut Samoa Joe. Yeah. No, I, I think you'd be very welcome on either roster. So uh, it, it's interesting. I think NXT, I mean, I know I know, it's not like a broken record with this, but I feel like NXT is in that rebuilding phase just in terms of cultivating new talent. They need to elevate some people. Um, you know, I mean, what, what do you think, uh, you know, but just before we wrap this up, but about that idea that I've seen floated, there have been think pieces about this, about them like doing a downward draft of some talent or making giving some ta talent, you know, the chance to come on NXT and do some, uh, you know, guest arcs. You know, I think this is the time if there were if they were going to do it, this would be the time to do it, because originally the idea was, well, you know, they're paying a guy on the main roster. I, I don't know. 
six figures, right? Let's say it's yeah. in the low six figures. They don't want to take that guy and put him into NXT and still pay him that salary because the people in NXT were making far less. Uh, um, they would do it every now and then. At that, I mean, this is this was the mentality. Now yeah. you have guys like Samoa Joe, Nakamura, uh, Finn Balor, these uh, Bobby Roode. These are guys that you know Finn obviously came up, but these these are great examples of guys that were making good money in NXT, making uh, a main roster salary, and. They did great there, and then you know they can move up and continue on. I, I I think the option of going down to NXT should always be there. They should be in the draft. There are guys that would uh, Tyler Breeze, great example. This guy was people were into him. They they yeah. liked the character. He was interesting. The entrance was great. He was a good worker, and he's a great example of moving a guy down and seeing what happens, see where it goes. I mean, what's your other choice? You just put him on TV and make him worthless. Well, and I think, gimmick, you know, brand loyalty also transfers. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people like people on SmackDown and Raw because they came up with them through NXT, you know, so it's like you have that backstory, you have that history, and that gives you that loyalty to a wrestler because you have that chance to to just see them develop and see them in a, in a different format. Um, so, I mean, with that being said, I don't know. I mean, but in terms of salary right now, like I can't imagine Kurt Hawkins is making more than Samoa Joe is. You know, or if he is, there's yeah. there's no God. That's definitive proof. Um, Listen, that we're living... love, you know what? Being a fellow uh, Bayside Queens guy, <laughs> Kurt Hawkins, I would love I would love for him to make as much as Samoa Joe. Yeah, but that's the thing. So putting Kurt Hawkins, you know, in NXT, um, and I think you could do angles with it, right? You could even have someone call up, like call out a SmackDown. You could have someone call out Kurt Hawkins and say, "Hey, I'm going to wrestle you on NXT." Or, or I'll wrestle you on SmackDown, and the stipulation is: if I win, I get your slot. But if you lose, you have to come down to NXT. You know, like you, you know, or something, some sort of, uh, some sort Roman of Reigns NXT for the title. Yeah, Give him the yeah versus John Cena, Roman Reigns, John Cena for the NXT title. That's what I, that's. What I, I don't know, man. If if Roman gets maybe two more wellness policy violations, I could sure, see you know yeah. that being the punishment. Um, but I, I think they could do some interesting stuff with it. Um, I mean, Bo Dallas, Curtis Axel um you know even neville i think like they're just these guys that they're just not doing anything with isn't it crazy that they have four separate brands now they yeah. have four separate brands they have nxt they have the cruisers they have smackdown they have raw and then they have whatever i mean it, it's they're it's overwhelming if you think about it that they're running four separate brands to an extent uh four separate tv shows with our own people yeah no, and that's why I was asking um, asking uh, Raj about the pre-sales for WrestleMania for those travel packages because that is the super fan experience, right? Like if you like WWE and you're going to WrestleMania and you want to attend every single thing, you're buying that package. What I think is very interesting is that for Texas, I think they sold out in like an hour. like Or it was definitely the day they went on sale. Um, and Texas was a huge venue right? Like they could accommodate a ton of people. And I'm wondering with Orlando, you know, we, look, whether, you know, you could talk about this in terms of like how the economy works, but it also is how the economy of anything works. It's like, you can only expand, expand, expand before you contract. And it doesn't mean that it's, you know, it doesn't, does, now contraction uh, in interest doesn't necessarily mean that, oh my God, it's a crash. Everything is going to hell. But I think with, with the WWE, they've expanded so much. We have to expect that there's going to be a dip in interest a dip in ticket sales you know just because you can't sustain that sort of growth yeah i i think that's that's part of the that's part of the issue here uh from what i know those vip early ticket sales always do well those those uh the, the packages that they put together mm -hmm. they'll always sell out they'll always do well um it's in the front row it always go the first you know those expensive seats are always the first ones to always sell out regardless but it really comes down to those $45, $50 tickets, how well are those selling? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, the, the headline I see from two days ago is, uh, as of two days ago, time is running out on the travel packages. So it is not as fast a, a sellout as it was last year. But what's really interesting about the travel package this year, I don't know if you saw this, on the top level, the gold level perform, uh, package, it includes a, a day at a performance center. So the performance center all access. Yeah, that's, a, that's an awesome package. No, and it's a great value. I mean, given the the price now, the price is steep. I think it was something like sixty five hundred bucks. But the fact it includes that, like that's normally fifteen hundred dollars on its own. 
Wow. You know, and that's with the, the, the front row packages. Um, so no, I just think it's interesting. I think it's interesting to see, but what I'm amazed is that even though they're marketing WrestleMania and saying, Oh, it's at the ultimate vacation destination in Orlando. I'm actually surprised of wrestling fans I've talked to, um, that were keen to go to Dallas, Dallas, not really known as your number one vacation destination. They were yeah. more hyped about going to WrestleMania in Dallas than they are about going to WrestleMania in Orlando with all the other stuff that's there. Yeah, there's so much to do there. By the way, uh, WrestleMania generated $170 million for the Dallas region. Dallas, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's record-breaking. I mean, uh, that's tremendous. Tremendous money was generated for Dallas, and a lot of people went there. I think part of it was that it was the biggest WrestleMania of all time. I, the, your, yeah. your gigantic uh, arena. Uh, I think that was part of the big selling point here, but uh, I'm sure they'll do well with Orlando, too. I'm sure it'll do fine. It's not as big of a venue, so you know that'll work. Um, cool, man. So let's wrap it up and take it home. Uh, programming note, Survivor Series. Myself, Matt Morgan, and Raj will be here immediately after the pay-per-view ends on Sunday night to talk about Survivor Series. And, of course, we'll be back Monday night for our Raw recap. Uh, Andrew, thanks so much for uh, stopping by today. Where can people check you out on the web? Uh, Matt Men Podcast is a podcast that we do. It's available everywhere. It's available on YouTube, on, on iTunes, everywhere podcasts are available. If you go to gfqnetwork.com, you can see all our shows over there. And you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Zarian. Cool. Yeah, GFQ Network. Awesome, awesome stuff, man. Well, thanks so much, Andrew. Thanks to everyone else for joining us today. And until next time, I'm Glenn Rubenstein. And I'll see you back here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care. See you guys.